and also go live on seems like hi everybody hi my name is vivian aqua and i call myself the certified dei trainer and i'm trying to figure out how i can go live on on instagram because that's part of the equation right so for today a little bit of information about me and what i do i support companies organization managers and people that want to do better when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, creating that space where people can be themselves, but also knowing that this is a journey that you have to embark together, right? So for leaders who are watching, self-leaders who are watching, I welcome you into having this conversation. But this conversation, it's not about just about me alone. So to give you a little context of who I am, Black woman, you can see that. A woman who wears purple hair, purple pink hair, you can also see that. You can see my headscarf. So a little explanation about that is I'm Ghanaian and I'm honoring my roots by wearing the different headscarves that I'm wearing. But another thing that you might not see or might not know unless you go through or scroll to my profile is I'm neurodivergent. And another thing that I'm walking around with is that I'm recovering from breaking my ankle. So this topic, the topic that we are talking today, invisible and visible disability, it's about me. But wait, wait, hold up. Wait a minute. I have to bring on my guest speakers, right? Because it's not me, myself and I. No. So I'm bringing on Kareem and Dana. And let me do a proper introduction of both my guest speakers. So first of all, Kareem. He is a DEI oracle who's combining inner knowing the external knowledge of, uh, of to help, help your spaces more inclusive through facilitation and strategic support. Then we have Dana, who's residing in Canada, and she is a heart-centered leader, strategist for workplace inclusivity, a doctoral student for social justice education, and I want to give you both, I want you to help them welcome me, welcome them into this conversation. Can you see that? It's the end of the day and it was a busy day for me today. So I'm, I'm a, a little bit rusty. I haven't done a Let's Humanize the Workplace in a long while. And I'm truly excited to having this conversation with amazing people that are going to demystify some of the myths that people might assume when dealing with a disability or dealing with a visible and an invisible disability, but also to help you understand what an invisible disability is, right? Because many people, I got through this uh, topic whilst talking to Kareem. I had a conversation with Kareem uh, in December somewhere, and we were talking about, you know, I would love to have you on my show and talk about disability. And then Kareem eventually said like, okay, but did you know that neurodiversity is also part of being, you know, uh, with also part of the disability equation? And I was like, huh, why? It's an invisible disability. So people who are neurospicy, some people call themselves neurospicy, neurodivergent or neuro whatever, neurofantastic, you are challenged or not challenged, you have an invisible disability, whereas your organization needs to provide tools, needs to provide measurements for you to amplify your voice, your brand, your story, and for you to be able to thrive in the workplace. So thank you all. I can see a comment 
So before, oh, thank you, Caroline. Hi, everybody. Hi, Caroline. Thank you for being here on the show. I think it's time for the questions, right? So, Kareem, why do you feel like we need to humanize the workplace from your perspective? I think that humanizing the workplace is incredibly important to be able to tap into the magic and the talents of all the beautiful, diverse people that are in our different spaces. I think for so long we have gone in this world of silos and formats and ideas of how we need to behave, who we need to be. And it is through the advocation of many people. Uh, when we look at disability, for example, uh, in the United States, where the movement sort of began, but now we're sort of trying to see how this can expand into our world and into our space. It is our responsibility to open up spaces and hearts and connect people and try to see all of these beautiful opportunities that we can create together. And that's yes, really what exactly. I stand for, I guess. This, I uh, love this it. Especially, especially the part when you talk about the magic, right? I've, I've read different articles where neurodivergent people are being excluded just because other people are making assumptions, but also the workplace isn't isn't accessible for those dealing with a visible disability, right? Where you may think that, you know, I, I live in the Netherlands and Karim also lives in uh, in the Netherlands as well, whereas Dana lives in Canada, where you think that these Western countries have it all figured out when it comes to inclusion, but wait until you are dealing with an elevator that isn't working. Because that means that I have a challenge to walk, you know, to when I need to pick up the metro or take the metro, I need to walk like 200 step, steps. That's for me. It's it's I can do it, but don't ask me how much time it will take and don't ask me how I will feel because I get pissed off when I'm dealing with that. And on the other hand, the escalator is so important for myself. Right. So. Think about how we are, is, is the environment around you, is that really inclusive for people to bring out their magic? So thank you, Kareem. And Dana, welcome. I love that, Vivian. Thank you so much. And thank you for the warm welcome. Mm -hmm. um, I love what you just said about your experience in accessing um, elevators, escalators, and other things um, that help you as an accessible workspace. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because one of the things I think about often is how policy within organizations um, can be likened to the theory of inclusivity, whereas the experience of it can be very different. So you have inclusivity in theory and inclusivity yeah. in practice. Yeah. And the more that HR practitioners and organizations work to capture the voices and perspectives of people with lived experience and disability who's, or who self-identify as living with a disability, the easier it's going to be to bridge that gap between equity theory and equity mm -hmm. in practice. Um, for example, um, I know of one organization that implemented some accessible services within their building. However, they put it in a far corner of the building and you needed an elevator to be able to access that space. And the elevator mm -hmm. was frequently out of service. Yeah. Right. So 
one way that that could have been prevented would be capturing uh, the voices of the individuals who were going to be end users for those services and to say, hey, listen, you know, does this work for you? Is this close to your work points? Is this something that you can access in your workplace? Do you need the elevator to get there? And just by asking those questions, some things that um, could only be revealed by hearing those perspectives and lived experiences um, would have changed the way that those theories were implemented. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I what love, you, said what, you, I love what you said right now regarding asking the individuals that have those lived experience, but I do have, have to provide a warning, right? Because for those of you who are watching this episode and think about, well, let me ask my colleague who is blind. Let me ask my colleague who is neurodivergent. Let me ask my colleague who is in a wheelchair. People, there are organizations, specialists out there that can give you that perspective and also provide you the consulting, the advice, because mind you that oftentimes people seem to think that it's very cheap and easy to ask their fellow Mm -hmm. colleague what do you think about this? Can I use you as a guinea pig whilst there are professionals out there that can give you that perspective without tapping into trauma? Oh, I love that, Vivian. I call that the the invisibility paradox. Mm. So It's when you are valuable to the organization, they'll make you visible and perhaps put you in a situation that you may not want to participate in um, involuntarily having you as an advocate for that. And then there's the invisibility side, which means when it comes time for promotion or recognition, um, unfortunately, those opportunities are um, not available. So the organization will, in fact, include you when it's profitable or makes sense to them, but Mm -hmm. not when it makes sense for you as an individual in your career growth and development. I love that. Kareem. I'd love to add a bit here. First of all, I love what you said because that really embodies what I try to do within my practice as a DEI specialist, as a facilitator, trying to bring people together and really bring the idea of the intuitive, the internal, the experiential, along with industry and academic knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the, the invisibility paradox is so integral to that, to my experience and to this idea that uh, we are of use when we are a strong branding element, when we yeah, are strong, you're being tokenized, basically. Yeah, 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 it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's pure tokenization, and mm-hmm. uh, people will use your image, your perspective, your voice, without properly compensating you for your expertise, your experiences, your life. You know, I've devoted mm-hmm. my life to turning pain into power using mm-hmm. my identity intersections to try to help the community. And that's that's what a, the heart of what I do. And I see mm-hmm. it time and time again, how on, it can almost day-to-day shift. And there's this continuous dialogue between what a good disabled person is and yeah. what they do. And then you're great when we want to put you on a picture or put you mm-hmm. in a poster or say how inclusive we are but then you come to advocate for much needed resources and support. And then yeah. it's like, oh, it's suddenly too hard to employ the disabled person. It's suddenly yeah. too hard to work with the uh, consultant who has this expertise. Why not get this blanket person who does general DEI instead of getting specific disability, specific queerness, specific neurodiversity, 
and that's why I love seeing more and more people focusing on DEI because mm -hmm. all of our perspectives are needed, and we need yeah. to come together as a community to build safe spaces from our wealth of experientials, but also the wealth of knowledge we can share together. Yeah, I do have to share something personal because for me. Um, this journey, I, I know that um, I was talking to Karim a while ago and I, I felt like I felt like an imposter because my disability is a temporary disability. Then Karim told me like, no, your your disability is as much as valid as my disability. But then oftentimes, as of lately, when I was walking in my stroller, I felt like what you said right now when taking that picture, taking the images, I do feel like people need to ask consent. I've been missing on some of the events because I feel um, conflicted with what I'm going through with this journey. But also oftentimes, I mean, I get people take pictures because of my hair, right? And because of my length and because me being black. But then again, on top of that, taking a picture while me walking by on a, on a, with a stroller, it doesn't feel comfortable. And I, I would like to ask those who are part of the events, I could have, I could have said something, but I felt a little bit cringy about saying something at the time. But from now on, I will say something about, can you take a picture from a different angle or ask me for consent instead of putting me on social, like this event or this training or this location is inclusive because Vivian Aqua was here, right? With a stroller, right? That's it. And it's funny because from an organizational perspective, you could look at it as manufactured consent. Yeah. Yeah. And to very quickly define that for everybody who's watching today, it's given the conditions of your employment, you may feel that it's necessary for you to represent yeah. yourself and to give your consent in this way. Mm -hmm. And so by taking your picture, Vivian, if people are not asking you ahead of time, but then afterwards they justify the picture to you and try to gain your consent as an afterthought, they're thereby manufacturing your consent in the same way. Yeah. If I, uh, I can add something here. Yeah. I think it's also really about, uh, quite frankly, putting your money where your mouth is. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what a lot of people don't realize, uh, I'll just use myself as an example and your vulnerability mm -hmm. Vivian makes me also want to be vulnerable and open my heart to you guys, but also to our lovely audience to hopefully create some change. Mm -hmm. I am someone who goes to a lot of events and people see me and they're like, oh, you're everywhere. Have you ever thought how much energy it actually takes me to make sure I can take the train or public transport to get wherever I need to go? The kind of support I might need from a family member or a friend to get there. Yeah the amount of energy it takes for me to prepare. And then, you know, you try to hunt, we know the life of the business owner, Vivian, I don't need to tell you that you hunt <laughs> for your opportunities, yeah. you fight for your space. And then it takes so long for you to break in. And mm -hmm. when you do, people don't necessarily understand that your needs are different and yeah. that you need different types of support. You may need different forms of finances. You may need things like proper transport. Yeah, unfortunately, you may, you, know, you may even want to know the Google map of that particular event, because yeah. not every event space or every location or every training room is good. Very good. Accessible. 
So what I do, and people might think that maybe I'm a diva, maybe I'm not, but I ask them, where's the nearest toilet? Because I need to go to a restroom. Oftentimes, the restroom isn't accessible for me, especially at the time when I was using a wheelchair or using more of my stroller, where I needed those, you know, I don't know how you call them, those two things where you need to... Yeah, the, the handles. The handles. The handles. Grab bars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the grab bars that you need to to properly sit down, but also properly stand up, right? Mm. It's, it's just the basic things that I feel like people often take for granted. But for me, it's the highlight of the moment when I see uh, a theater have an... A, um, a disability restroom or restroom for uh, people with a disability, I, I dance hallelujah because it's not often that you see something like that. I see a lot of messages, by the way. So uh, no borders <laughs> learning, saying word, uh, co-opting, co-opting inclusion. Co-opting inclusion. You know what's really interesting, Vivian, is you asked mm -hmm. the question, so why do we need to humanize the workplace? Yeah. And building on what you just said about needing certain accommodations when you attend events or within your workplace, I feel like there's this power shift from employer defined to employee led working conditions. Yeah. And one of the reasons for this shift is that the pandemic, it forced all of us to reevaluate what matters most to us, what our mm -hmm. needs are. And this is very intrinsically linked. So it means yeah. that like beyond a certain salary, which supports our basic needs, many of us are never going to compromise our values, our beliefs, ourselves for money ever again. And so the pandemic gave us this incredible opportunity to liberate ourselves from this ableist gaze yeah. within our organization. And so we're bringing our whole selves to work. And that means that essentially we've learned to self-govern. Mm. We are self-accommodating at this point. Things like flexible work arrangements, being able to yeah. work from home, and for knowledge workers, being able to balance personal priorities and organizational mm -hmm. goals. All of these things have created these conditions for us to be able to self-govern. And I would argue that persons living with disabilities, both invisible and visible, are already highly resilient. Mm -hmm. And we've had to create workarounds and adaptations and become incredibly agile so we were already ahead of the game. And so when we were given the opportunity to self-govern and self-accommodate, we're really good at it. Yeah. Good at taking, good at creating our boundaries. That's what I've learned exactly. a lot within within uh, the lockdown, during the lockdown, but also with the accident that I had, I had my boundaries set like, I'm not going to travel anywhere if you're not going to invest in my travel fee or if you're not going to invest in the cab ride. I know it's hefty, but if you want me there, you want me to mesmerize, this is the investment that is needed because I'm not taking public transport. By the time that I get there, I'll be depleted, non-energized, and that's not what you want, right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. wouldn't then humanizing the workplace mean that... Mm -hmm organizations, they have an opportunity to create, to create, or they, organizations can create opportunities for employees to self-accommodate mm -hmm. yeah. and to express. So isn't it about articulating what we need as persons living with visible and invisible disabilities within the workplace? We gotta ask. I wanna bring in, I wanna bring in Kareem as well, because mm -hmm. not every person 
is vocal about what they want or what they do wrong, especially when you come of age where at a later stage, you realize that all the quirks, all the weirdness that people thought that I was weird, not knowing that I, all this time I was neurodivergent, just recently find, finding out in which category I'm fitting and I'm still discovering and um, how do you say it? I'm peeling off the different layers that if I don't know myself and if I don't know how I can be supported, then how can the organization help me with that? Kareem. I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going off <laughs> No, no, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I got a little triggered mm-hmm. by the by the statements you wonderful ladies have brought up. Yeah, because I, I just that. I've just had a severely different experience. Mm-hmm. COVID was a blessing in terms of being able to work from home. In terms of being able to, uh, at the time I was also studying. It was also good to study at home, but mm-hmm. ultimately. I would say setting your boundaries is a matter of privilege. Vivian, you're able to set your boundaries Mm -hmm. because these organizations know you and there's Mm -hmm. enough that will accommodate for you. True. And it kind of feels Mm -hmm. like I'm sometimes I'm out here waving the flag. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I can do work. I can do work. Please see what I can give you. And it quite frankly gets exhausting to continuously have to advocate like that to to have what a decent income i don't think a decent income where i can afford maybe some extra help around the house uh maybe some support in terms of a driver or the ability to use a cab uh, is too much to ask for certainly not for someone who is highly educated for someone who has professional skills that they can bring but ultimately organizations make their checks and balances while forgetting that ultimately we are all people who have needs and have priorities that we need to balance for. Yeah. And that's, that's the hard part. And don't get me wrong. This isn't me coming for organizations and being like, you can come. That's why I, that's why I brought you on there, Kareem, because we had, uh, I just met you. I know that we are connected for a while ago, but I met you at the ESDP event. And after it took me a while, but after that we got talking and I was just like, okay, how can I support you? How can I, uh, how can I leverage my network and use that as a conversation? So I hope that by the end of this conversation, whether um, you are hiring Kareem or whether you think of an organization that will value the work of Kareem, all my guest speakers, right? This conversation, it's not about us drinking tea and uh, pointing our fingers. It's about me connecting you to the amazing people that I feel like deserve more attention and deserve to be amplified. So therefore, I hope that after this conversation, people will reach out to both of you and have that conversation that is needed. Because I know with my lens that I can only do this piece. And I'm a DEI generalist, but I can only do this piece of the puzzle. So that's why I'm bringing in different guest speakers from all over the world to have that conversation. Because together, I know that we can level up the playing field, level up the DEI quotation that is needed in the workplace and at world. So I do have a few yeah. comments, just to bring a few comments. So 
Um, oh, no one border says that these needs are actually rights. And Caroline is asking me, okay, which event location is most favorable? I'm not gonna name names, but what I what I can do, Caroline, is tell you that when an event location is modern, when they have been built after 2010, 2000-ish, and they have an elevator, they have accessibility rooms, they have a silence room. This is what people who are neurodivergent often need, is a room for us to walk away from the noise and be at peace. So maybe there is a silent disco that we can listen to meditation or something. Think about that because all the noise, events, going to events, it can deplete me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm going back to the script. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't off script the fun stuff though? It's the fun stuff, but sometimes yeah. we have to mix and match. We have to mix mm -hmm. and match. So, what are some of the challenges that people with an invisible disability or visible disability might face? And what is your advice to them to overcome these challenges? And I'll, I'll start with you, Um, I think awareness is your friend. Mm. If you are struggling, I would highly, highly advise you to go to a care specialist to try to find the resources that you need. Because yeah. I, it took me a while to come forward with different things. It took me a while to come forward with the fact that I struggle with writing, for example, because mm -hmm. I felt quite embarrassed by that for like fine motor skills or that yeah. I would need the support of a scribe, you know, when, especially when you grow up in very, let's call them privileged circumstances in environments where people are highly educated, people mm -hmm. are, uh, have resources mm -hmm. you tend to think i need to measure up yeah it's my responsibility to measure up to this able-bodied straight white standard that's around me i if i can't do it then there's something wrong with me and i just need to work harder and i think yeah. half the battle is in your head because we do live in western society where there are hopefully that it's still up and coming and there's a lot of work to be done, but there are also lots of resources, but mm -hmm. you can't tap into them if you don't know yourself. And mm -hmm. for me, my wheelchair is a dead giveaway. Like I, I yeah. can't hide it even if I wanted to, but I know there's probably a lot of people out there that might have a hand tremor or like trouble with fine motor skills, et cetera, et cetera, or even neurodiversity. I'm glad you brought that up, Vivian. I mean, you dyslexia, I, I was ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. I was ashamed of mm -hmm. me being mild dyslexic whilst reading uh, things. It's not, I mean, I can read short paragraph and if it's aligned in a certain way, then I can read it. But if it's the academia stuff, the things that uh, I would say a little bit boring, not, not sexy to my eyes, mm -hmm. then I have a challenge because it looks like a soup to me. Yeah. But sorry to cut you off, Kareem. No, but it's, I think that's a part of it, but mm -hmm. also as much as I wish it wasn't true, mm -hmm. we all need to advocate for ourselves and each other in yes. some capacity. Yeah. And I know it's hard, especially, uh, I keep coming back to the example of neurodiversity because it comes uh, more frequently in my head, but I know some people struggle with communication a lot more than I do. 
yeah. I'm lucky to be able to speak and to express myself in the way that I do and that allows me to advocate but mm-hmm. if you if you are in a position where you feel like you're unable or struggling try to find someone you can trust yeah and have them support you in advocating for you and I I hope that there are enough leaders out there and there are enough organizations and enough resources for you to thrive because I believe in a world where all of us can thrive regardless of what disability we have. And that's the world I'm fighting for. Yeah, I'm with you. Dana. I'm with you as well. Oh, so you both had your vulnerability moment. I think it's my turn now. (laughs) Um, So a few years back, I was diagnosed with an acquired disability. It affects me physically and cognitively. Um, However, it would be classified as an invisible disability. And so I've always put it upon myself to be a top performer. Hmm. However, when I acquired my disability, some of the symptoms that I was less familiar with, I couldn't manage them. So in the eyes of my employer, I was perceived as being less than a top performer. I think my advice to people who are living with visible and invisible disabilities is this. Try to make your peace with it internally first. Mm. You are who you are. Yeah. You are who you are. And before you put this new and evolved version of yourself out into the world, you have to accept yourself. Because other people, their opinions matter far less. But I love Dr. Seuss for this one. He says, be who you are and say what you feel. Because those who matter don't mind. And those who mind don't matter. But self-acceptance, especially in terms of acquired disability, is paramount for your success. And for me, it took me a good two years to reconcile. I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of some of the symptoms that I had. And one of the symptoms was um, some, some brain fog meaning someone would have a conversation with me and five minutes later, I'd ask them the same question again. So unfortunately in the beginning, my colleagues were very unkind because I was able, I was unable to reconcile that this was even happening. I wasn't aware. It was like lifting the needle off of a record and then putting that needle back down again. And I didn't even know that the song had skipped a beat. So once I realized that this was happening, some of the kinder people in my life pointed it out it enabled me to learn more about what was happening, Uh receive the diagnosis of my acquired disability. And then I had to sit with it. And I thought that I was less than for um, a considerable amount of time. And because I thought this way, it's the laws of attraction. Other people treated me this way. And so as soon as I changed the way that I perceived myself and my identity and my loving and understanding of myself, it changed the way that the others, that others around me treated me in return. So the laws of attraction are a powerful thing and really working to understand this new version of yourself and accept them with all of their facets um, is important. And I mean, every person out there right now who's dealing with an acquired disability, who is in maybe a senior position or is a top performer within their organization, I see you. It does not change who you are and what drives you to succeed. So just sit with that for a little bit, get to know yourself and get back out there and keep kicking ass and taking names. 
I, you are causing tears rolling on my cheek I, right I'm, now with I'm, what you are sharing. It's I'm I'm barely holding back, honestly, because it's it's honestly it's beautiful that you've been able to come to this piece. Mm-hmm. I I had the I guess it's in a way I, I hate using the word privilege because privilege is I wouldn't say it's a privilege, but I had the maybe the you know they say ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. I was born with my disability. This has always been my life. So I I had this privilege of just this has always been me. And uh, back in Egypt when I was growing up, uh, my mom really fought incredibly hard to make sure schools were accessible for me. Uh, elevators were there for me. That there was a driver to take me wherever I needed to go. If I needed any kind of support, my mom made sure I damn well got that. And then yeah. taught me, you can do anything. You can be anything. And I sort of, I grew up with that mindset. Like, look out world, here I come. I can be anything. And it's only when I became a grown-up and moved here to Europe to study, to work, that it suddenly hit me that apparently society thinks you can't be things. Yeah. Apparently employers don't see what you're capable of. That that has just not crossed my radar. And that's that's the benefit of really getting the support you need so that you shine. And it was it was such a it was almost a culture shock to me. Like, what? I can't get access to resources? What? I need to fit into this box? What the the, the DEI world doesn't see the value I bring quite yet? What the I see you. I see you. I see see you. (laughs) Thank you, sisters. And we're a community of uplifters. Mm -hmm. And it's it's changing. It's all changing. And I'm I'm so thankful and blessed for every single person who sees me, who can hear my voice, because that's I finally feel like I can make a difference. And this transition is shifting five and a half years in now. Yeah. But you were always able to make that difference, Kareem. You just had to believe it first. Yeah. You know, and I would say that being born with a disability, um, I don't think that until I experienced what I did a few years back that I would truly understand you at the level that I, I can now and that I'm capable yeah. of now. And my acquired disability has been a gift because it has enabled me to truly know exceptional individuals such as yourself and Vivian and to take the time to really listen to what your needs are. Um, And the ableist gaze is heavy. It's burdensome. And if you let it define you, it will, but it only does that if you give it the power to. And the thing that I would say to employers is that the invisibility paradox is real and we see you. We see what you're doing, amplifying when it suits your capitalist agenda mm-hmm. and holding people back with your you know, ableist gaze. This is your moment as an organization to figure out whether you want to be a part of the problem or the solution. Yeah. You both are making it challenging for me to host. Here I am sitting here with my tears, going through all the emotions. And then what you said about Dr. Zeus, I'm going to look that quote up because 
100%. I wish I had this conversation just when I had my accident because I'm I'm still dealing with what happened. Why did it happen to me? I I have it it somehow landed to me being at peace, but oftentimes it it is a, a question like okay, what happened? What did I do? And what can I do? What how can I use it? Eventually, a seed fell into my mind like use it to advocate, use it to share your story. I know that you're black, you're a woman, you are tall, you're neurodivergent, and you're, you ha- you're dealing with an accessibility uh, challenge right now, but use it in your whole menu and talk about this. So from time to time, I will bring it up. And this conversation, it's tapping into my heart. It makes it you're making it really hard for me to have this conversation. I hope that the the listeners, the people that are watching really appreciate it because this is not orchestrated. I only had a short conversation with both these people and I felt the need to bring both of them on because of this topic doesn't have that much attention as it should. So I'm bringing in the comments because the comments are very, uh, there are many comments. So Caroline is saying, thank you. Then Hossam is saying, thank you for hosting Kareem. Such an inspiring story. And Caroline is saying, I'm sorry for my amazement. That has more to do with me not even knowing my needs. Just yesterday, I had to leave an event because I couldn't take the noise anymore. Yes. Bring your headphone, please, Caroline, bring your headphone with you so that you can play your own meditation because oftentimes these event spaces don't have a silent room where you can recover. One out of five people is neurodivergent. It's time to create a silent space. And even those who are neurotypical love to be in a silent space, right? So thank you. No borders learning, solidarity, thank you. I don't know who this user is, but it's this sounds so much like long COVID, Dana. I agree. Kindness and acceptance towards yourself is key. Caroline is saying beautiful. And I am totally off script. But then again, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to pursue my script. I'm, I'm going to do something. What is something that you wanted to share with the audience? And I'll, I'll start with you, Dana. You're not alone. Mm. And this is organizations that are trying to do better. This is individuals who are living with uh, disabilities and acquired disabilities, people who are struggling to normalize their accommodations and what they need in the workplace outside of the pre-World War I industrial conformist workplace where you're sitting in a cubicle or working on an assembly line. Um, More and more organizations are realizing that that workplace is a thing of the past Mm -hmm. and technology is enabling people to do incredible things, flexible ways of working, a reevaluation of our morals. I would argue that there is a revolution already taking place. And for leaders, I would challenge you to start modeling the desired behaviors that you would like to see for inclusivity within your workplace, because it's great that you're approving Mm -hmm. new policies and strategies, but you need to walk the talk. Kareem. That's gonna be a hard one to follow up. (laughs) 
You do you. You, you do, do you. you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with the people. Mm -hmm. I have so much pride in what we have achieved as a community. Mm. I have so much love for the friends, for the people, for the supporters that have gotten us this far. Not just me, but you, Vivian. But a few people in our industry, you know, the DI in the Netherlands, despite all of the resistance, is still on fire. We mm -hmm. are still fighting. But that fight is a two-way street. Yeah. So uh, y'all on your cushy seats at the top. I know you love your cushy seats. I would love my cushy seat too. Don't get me wrong. But you need to make a conscious choice. Because in the Netherlands, the discussion on policy is still long and ongoing. What you need to do as a business is to make a conscious choice to invest in intersectional people. And because that's what you, the, I want to highlight invest. Because it's not a cost, even though you see it, you may see it as a cost because it's human related. But the investment that you are making now, especially now within the Netherlands, the Netherlands is challenged with um, with turnover. It is challenged with finding talent at the moment because talent is, let's say, running away faster than coming in, right? It is challenged because of AI, what's happening and how competitors are doing their best to become top of mind, right? So why are you leaving people why are you not making use of people who are part of the disability uh, diversity or disability inclusion or why are you, are you not inviting people who are neurodivergent just because you think that Forrest Gump is the norm I don't look like Forrest Gump I can be social but I do have my moments where I cocoon and don't interact with people I am not Forrest Gump that was the thing that I thought about myself. I can be a Dory, you know, all the fish from Finding Nemo. I am a Dory sometimes. I do have my moments where I'm thinking like, okay, what were you talking about? What were you doing, right? What were you saying? But know that every person within the Netherlands that can work would like to work for you, would like to be included in the game. Kareen, going back to you. I think I can imagine that this is hard. Because disability, unlike color, unlike um, gender, mm -hmm. if we look at the two most prevalent yeah. layers in this DEI discussion, there yeah. is never a blanket solution. No. And, that, and that's not what I'm selling you. I wish I could sell you that. I wish there was a magic in a blanket solution yeah. for gender and for no. race and ethnicity, right? There's a lot of nuance, but at, mm -hmm. with disability, that nuance gets even more Complex. distributed because yeah. each disabled person may need drastically different things to thrive. Yeah. But yeah. I, can, I can tell you there's so much potential within this community. There is so much talent. There is so much empowerment. There's so much innovation. There's enough research out there these days on the business case of diversity. Mm -hmm. And this diversity remains untapped. And I'm happy to be here 
I'm happy to facilitate workshops, keynotes, develop larger strategic directions if that's what you're looking for. Let's work together to open up this space because nothing would make me happier than to see these differently abled and powerful people mm -hmm. come into the space. Because more often than not, I'm the only dude in a wheelchair is like, yo, what's up? <laughs> I'm here. And yeah, what that might that might give me some attention. I love it. I do wear my colorful suits, but nothing mm -hmm. would bring me make me happier than if I go to one of my events and because I help facilitate something, there's suddenly 15, 20, 30, 50 people who know I can be here. I want to be the change. And I will do my best to advocate for all of you at home, for all of you in your spaces, so that we open up that door. And I think I speak for all three of us when I say we will do our best to keep fighting, to keep advocating. Yes, yes, definitely. I do want to, while you were talking, I do want to bring something up. So um, many of you may know him, right? Stephen Bartlett, who's the guy who has written a book about the diary of a CEO. If you have never heard of him, it's an, he's an English guy, um, Steve Bartlett or Stephen Bartlett, who recently sat on a dragon's den and invested in standout socks. These socks, this company, is a company a, a, a brother and a sister created for their brother. Their brother is a, a, a person who is part of the disability club. Because his brother never got a job, because his brother didn't, they created space for his brother to create a job for him and also for other people that have seemed to be forgotten. It seems like the visible or invisible disability is a forgotten part of diversity and I want to uplift it. So please look up Dragon's Den, uh, Steve Bartlett, look out for standout socks and then you can make sense of what I'm what I'm saying here because this story is truly valuable. The fact that somebody investor saw potential in these socks and the, the, the story behind it, it was amazing. It was amazing. So please look out. I see Caroline sharing. I know that resources are always a problem. Um, is it appropriate for me to suggest a source of resources? Yes, please do. Please do. I mean, it's a, it's depending upon you, right? You don't want to sit on the advisor's chair and provide them free tips, right? So share maybe two or three resources and find companies that or connect them with companies such as Cream or such as Dana or such as myself, connect them with them so that they can have that inclusive lens. Oftentimes people think to think that, okay, I'll provide them with tips, but then again, you don't want to be um, their, their resource bunny if that's not your uh, expertise, right? You know, one you thing that we, we haven't yeah. touched on before we go is mm -hmm. um, that inclusivity is good for business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of organizations are engaging in very performative diversity yeah. and inclusivity uh, initiatives. And there was a recent Harvard study that actually showed in terms of profitability, um, embracing employees who bring their whole selves to work. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for business. Um, in a yeah. 22, 2022 study, they said that persons who are their most authentic selves often think about things like systemic racism, climate change, wealth inequality. They're all top of mind issues for them. 
and for employers to ignore these concerns and the concerns of the whole person fosters a sense of alienation. Mm -hmm. So when people feel like they belong, they're 10 times more likely to be satisfied with their work and twice as engaged with their work. Yeah. Turnover plummets by sometimes as much as 50% and employees take 75% fewer sick days and innovation increases. So if you think about it, if you create opportunities for persons living with visible and invisible disabilities to be able to self-govern, to self-accommodate, and if you have fluid policies that help them to do these things, Mm -hmm. then you're in effect creating the conditions for them to create more profit than you could possibly imagine if you didn't let them bring their whole selves to work. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 yeah, a lot of the times, Kareem, you know, what you were saying is that you're looking for opportunity. Opportunity means speaking to the bottom line within a lot of organizations. And I know, mm-hmm. that, you know that the research is out there to prove that inclusivity is better for business than performative DEI initiatives. Yes, so, tap into tap into the money, tap into tap what into hurts money. them. Yeah. Exactly. I just <laughs> the the solidarity in this room. I I can I, I know because yeah, I, I, I am working on tapping in the, the money and I'm working on this new concept of the DI Oracle. I'm trying to land in this idea, mm-hmm. focus on the voice, focus on that experience of I bring the wealth of knowledge from education, but also the wealth mm-hmm. of personal experience. But it's it's nice that there's so much uh, solidarity. I'll use the same words as no burders learning. Solidarity. Yeah. And it, and I also saw, uh, I took a peek myself, silly me, through another tab at the comments. And I already see, I represent this and that. And I go the extra mile. I want to do this. I want to do that. Let me, let me highlight that. Let there me highlight that. There we go. <laughs> There was Caroline. There was Caroline. So she represents Contribute to NL. And uh, I will help you get the funding, do the extra mile of marginalized groups. What else is she said? The projects that we do, forest lanes for less able people to enjoy nature. So definitely Caroline, uh, I've met her through LinkedIn and she has been truly an advocate for so many things that I do and connect with her, reach out to her, right? But also... What I want you to, um, to sh- I want to share something with you, Kareem, and also those who are watching. I am based in the Netherlands, yes, but I, I'm not letting myself be contained by only the Netherlands, if you get what I'm saying. We catch your drift. We're okay. going global. We're going We've already global. proven today that this is a global <laughs> conversation. Exactly. Yeah. This, this is an international conversation where no matter where you are at, I haven't seen a Wakanda for people who are, who are dealing with invisible or uh, visible disabilities where they are totally at home, right? For me, mm-hmm. my world opened the moment that I started owning up to my neurodiv- me being neurodivergent, but also me dealing with a temporary disability. I am just like, I had to advocate for something because there's so much injustice out there and not everybody has the, the, the energy, the time, the space 
to be an advocate. So thank you. Thank you, Vivian, for everything that you do and for bringing us together mm -hmm. today to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. We absolutely adore you, and I know it will be an ongoing conversation. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel the same. Kareem. Um, I, I just, I cannot wait for us. Then if you ever visit us in the Netherlands, I'd love for <laughs> us to have, a, to have a brunch, you know. I also know, Vivian, you've got your Cooking with Our Roots show. So who knows? Many yeah. shows, many adventures, many opportunities, but also just lots of fun because that's one thing. People see you on the screen now, Vivian, but I met you in person. I had the pleasure. And mm -hmm. it's just, there's so much radiating energy Enjoy <laughs> that comes from you. Like I remember seeing your smile, and I was like, I want to talk to that lady. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you know, you. I think the one thing that maybe we should do um, is we should tip our hats to the organizations that are getting it right. Yes, there are a number of organizations that I've had the pleasure of working with that I just stop and say, Wow. Yeah. You yeah, I've really seen them as well. Yeah. You are really. Yeah outperforming your peers in every yeah. possible way in all yeah. dimensions when it comes to inclusivity within your workplace and yeah. um so now i just i salute you all of yeah. the organizations across the globe that are getting it right it's a lot of work blood sweat and tears hats but off they are you. listening to their people right i i just want to highlight caroline has been the guest highlighter in this conversation. So mm -hmm. let's say, for example, you want to implement silent rooms in strategical, strategical places, international flight. And then there's something else, Kareem. This is for you. I'll reach out to you as well. Erasmus. Oh, look at that. That, that warms my heart. Sometimes um, just putting it out there and asking for help and support, right? Um, I just want to say that I truly value your insights, both of you, your time and your connection. And thanks for making it possible to help others understand what it means when it comes to uh, the disability. What did you say? The disability gap, uh, the, the, the challenges that people are facing, but also bringing in your personal stories. I didn't, you know, we, we never had a conversation about this, but the fact that you both of you felt safe enough to share and to bring your realness, I appreciate you both. So thank you. Anytime, Vivian. Thank you. Yeah. And Kareem, I got you. You said sometimes you need someone louder. I'm holding, I'm holding space for you. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you so much. Thank you thank so much. You. So for yeah. everybody that has been watching, thank you for watching or listening. Make sure that either you tag somebody or you share this, this episode, this particular episode on with, on your, on your net, with your network, because there's so much that people don't know. And the more you share it with other people, the more we can create these spaces where everybody is welcome. So thank you both into this amazing conversation. And I think that Robin, thank you also for your openness and your candor. I do truly agree. And until next time. Bye everyone. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.